This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. It is a 7.43. I'm Howard Feldman. Good morning. Anthony Rye, good morning to you. How are you? Boker Tov. Um, we were listening to um, a presentation made by uh, IDF Chief General Staff, Lieutenant General Hertzi Halevi. And um, it was quite interesting. First of all, he's been a relatively visible character um, in this war, as I guess one would expect. I think we would expect because... Mm. There is this dilemma as to whether he needs to get on with doing military things and uh, leave the public stuff to somebody else or whether it is important for him to be a public figure. Um, I'm actually interested uh, to hear what the listeners think about uh, that particular aspect because I think um, that just depends on who you speak to as to what people mm, think about that. Mm. But he has been quite visible and the IDF have been very cautious to show footage of him moving around the battlefield a lot. They've shown meetings of him in Gaza, in bunkers, in tunnels, under Khan Yunus, in Gaza, speaking to the troops in the north, doing an assessment on the northern border, um, pictures of him in cabinet meetings. Um, he's had a very, very busy time. And even though at the start of the war, um, it was clear to some people that he should not survive ultimately because of the uh, lapse, because of the, the problems that uh, were created with the IDF not being properly ready on the day of October the 7th when that, when that massacre took place and a lot of people holding him personally responsible. Um, I think that he has recovered a lot of ground since then. I don't know if it'll be enough for him to survive um, after the war is over. Um, but it's a very, very interesting uh, lesson that we're learning about um, how they've managed him. He's clearly been extremely busy. Uh, the war for him um, has been uh, extremely active. And we, even if we don't respect uh, the lapse, the, the, the uh, problems that were uh, experienced on the day of October the 7th and the weakness that the IDF showed on that particular day not to be ready for the attack, I think that the work that has been done subsequent to that really deserves a lot of praise and a lot of respect because um, um, the way that this war has been conducted, I think objectively has been quite an eye opener uh, to many people, particularly to those who really understand military things. Um, and that's more or less what he was trying to say, that he thinks that um, what's been achieved so far is beyond his expectations and he doesn't know of any other military in the world who's had to deal with such built-up areas war in so in in an area which is so intensely uh, densely inhabited by civilians um, and yet managing to achieve the successes that the idf has achieved and i think even if there's only one measure that we use to, to determine the achievements when one looks at the rocket fire that has been coming from Gaza over the past couple of weeks, there can be little doubt 
that that really has been taken care of almost once and for all. There have been one or two drops of rocket fire here and there, but we certainly can't compare it to what was being experienced uh, uh, before the war and even during the early stages, even the middle stages of the war, um, there was still quite an intense rocket fire coming from Gaza and these days almost nothing. So even if that's your only measure of success, mm, I think mm. that there is something to be said about um, the uh, successes that have been gained by the IDF. No question about that. Uh, let's talk about this video footage that uh, of, uh, of, of Sinwar. It's, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And um, it's, uh, of course, we always have to think about why the IDF chose to mm, release it mm. and why they chose to release it now. It's not only about looking at it and getting an impression from it, but I think there's also this psychological warfare aspect which one has to give some consideration to. So let's start by saying that for those people who haven't seen the video footage, it shows members of Yihiyah Sinwa's family um, r literally running down a tunnel, which we understand is r runs under Khan Yunus in that area. And we understand that this dates back to October the 10th. So right after the war first broke out, this was already happening in Khan Yunus, where it seems as if though uh, Yihya Sinwar and his family were kind of escaping somewhere. It showed him um, wearing kind of loose, almost like three-quarter length shorts um, and uh, like uh, slip-slop kind of shoes. Um, and he was carrying a bag and it seems like his children were running ahead of him. And one of his wives as a press um, likes to uh, present. I'm not quite sure how many wives he has, but at least one of them uh, seemed to be in the picture mm. and they were seen running down this tunnel. And um, let's just understand what this means because this was so long ago that it's hard even to understand how relevant it is to us here now in February already, something that happened uh, quite a number of months ago. So I think there are a few important things that come out of this. The first of which is that it seems as if though we have not heard or anybody has not heard from Yihya Sinwar already for some weeks. And when we're talking about hostage deals being done and uh, meetings in Cairo, and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about that a little later, but we understand that Yihya Sinwar is not involved at all in any of the negotiations that are going on right now with regard to a possible hostage exchange. And we, we don't exactly know the reason why he's not involved at all, but it seems as though he has no contact with anybody right now. Um, so um, we don't know why that is and where he is, or at least we here, maybe a military intelligence have, have more of an idea, but that is the, really the, the, the context, the backdrop to releasing this uh, video footage showing him running. Of course, it is very disheartening to the Arab community when they see the leader running in this way in a very kind of um, unroyal fashion, very, very um, civilian, very down to earth, almost running like a refugee runs away from uh, action. That's sort of the impression that we get from this video. And I think that part of the psychological objective of releasing this is exactly that, to try to reduce mm -hmm. um, the morale of those supporters of Sinwar who would see this and say, wow, this is not what we would expect of our leader. 
especially in the early days of the war, when it seemed like we still held the upper hand to the way that things were going, especially in an area like Khanunas. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that I think that um, what the IDF has also tried to broadcast is that this video footage has, be has actually been discovered quite recently, even though it dates back quite some a few months, but it was discovered relatively recently, which means that the IDF is gaining access to intelligence and to information now that they didn't have before. And there has been discussion about some significant intelligence finds um, by the IDF in recent days and weeks. And potentially this is one of them showing this footage and uh, showing exactly where he was at that stage. No sign, by the way, of any hostages around him. So mm. all of those stories about he's surrounded himself with hostages, at least in this video, are not borne out. That might have changed subsequently. Um, and we do know that at least for some of the time he did, uh, he was present uh, where hostages were being held. Um, but I think that this is just all part of the huge psychological battle that is being waged. Yeah, and even the uh, insult about his all, ears, that they identify him by the large ears. I mean, that's, that, is, <laughs> uh, that is not very leader-like, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's, it, it's yeah, almost I mean, showing you know, him running away identifying by the size of his ears it's designed to to reduce him isn't it it, it very much is and not only to reduce him but of course to reduce the morale of those people who might be supporting him and who might get to see this video and think wow this is our leader running with his tail between his mm, legs mm. Um, away uh, from the situation and this doesn't fill us with any sense of pride or, or any sense of confidence yeah, it's, uh, it, it certainly doesn't. But, but yet, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely very much part of this ongoing campaign where you're seeing South Africa moving to, again, try and stop it. We're seeing an increased, incredible amount of social media pressure and governmental pressure to try and stop, to try and stop Israel from moving into Rafah. It really does remind me of the hospital uh, scenarios that the desperation to keep Israel away from those hospitals was so little to do with the Palestinians and everything to do with Hamas being um, underneath the those hospitals. Absolutely. So it's, it's, and, and it's, yeah, sorry. We, we're having a repeat performance of that hospital now because, of course, um, you know, there's been hospitals in Khan Yunus that came under um, a certain uh, the Al-Amal Hospital, which is in the western part of Khan Yunus, is the latest hospital that's now come into the press uh, with hospital uh, administrators being arrested according to the way that the Palestinian press is advertising things. And of course, always talking about uh, the innocent patients and the innocent staff members of the hospital who should be subject to World Health Organization rules and that they should be outside of the war zone. But as we've discovered, Hamas makes a, a, an effort to involve people who would otherwise be considered to be outside of the ambit of any war zone, Hamas makes sure that they get involved, that they do recruit the hospital staff and the administration staff to become operatives of Hamas, because when it suits them, they can be operatives of Hamas and terrorists of Hamas. And when it suits them, they can become hospital administrators to hold up to the world and the international community. So, so that is 
uh, a modus operandi that Hamas uses, and we should never forget it. As I say, the latest focus has been at the Al Amal Hospital. There have been some pictures showing IDF soldiers delivering oxygen tanks to the hospital mm, in order to try that, to preserve yeah. at least some medical services at the hospital. But we can have little doubt that what's happening in Khan Yunus, what's happening in Rafah, what's happening at the hospitals is all part of the plan that Hamas put together to try to mix as much as possible civilians with a terrorist organization. Yep, and uh, let's just uh, talk about the, the there's very mixed reports coming out of Egypt regarding possible hostage exchange. What's the current status? Current status is actually quite confusing because the U.S. administration continues to make statements that a hostage deal is being uh, negotiated and that it's on the verge of being agreed. Um, and the U.S. is extremely eager to try to push towards a hostage exchange because the hostage exchange would involve some sort of a, a temporary ceasefire, at least. And I think that that would take some pressure of the U.S. administration in terms of internal uh, the, the, the views of the American public about what's going on in the war. I think that they feel that any sort of temporary ceasefire would be good for their um, standing within the American public, especially now as they wind up towards an election period, the election due to take place in November later this year. Also, the U.S. I'm trying to deal with their allies around the world European leaders. We saw this um, a tirade from Leo Varadkar, who is the Prime Minister of the Republic of Ireland, a real tirade against Israel's operation in Hamas, saying that Israel needs to stop. And I think that the US administration would feel a, a slight lessening of the pressure that it feels um, if there were to be a temporary ceasefire. So I think that that is the interest of the U.S. administration, and they continue to promote this. Um, Tony Blinken's still in the area, still meeting with people, still making statements about a, a temporary ceasefire and a hostage exchange deal on the verge of being negotiated. The reality is that there is a lot of activity in Cairo right now. Um, Israeli representatives were in Cairo. We understand that representatives from Qatar and the U.S. were also in Cairo to speak to the Egyptians. And then delegations from Hamas have come and gone and come and gone again without any real announcements being made and without any, any progress seemingly having been made. The latest that I saw suggests that there are now meetings with lower level officials talking about potentially a new type of hostage exchange arrangement. That all indicates to me that the whole thing fell over, that, uh -huh. that whatever was being discussed previously mm. is not really relevant anymore. And they're really trying to start from the ground up again, almost from step one, in order to try to put together some sort of a, a hostage exchange that could potentially work. Prime Minister Netanyahu has said quite clearly that Hamas's response to the previous uh, deal that was proposed is not acceptable. Ironically, the Israeli government had agreed it, as we understand it, at the level of the war cabinet, but the Hamas response um, was so um, severe, uh, should I say, I don't know if that's the right word, but it was an extreme response that it just didn't even warrant a response to their response because it was just so surprising and had no element of anything that could really be agreed by the Israeli government. It looked almost like their response was tailored to just be rejected and end of story, just to stop the process right there. So we do understand that there continues to be discussions. 
And I just wonder to what extent videos like the one that we saw of, Sin, uh, of Yichia Sinwar and, and the further reports of um, IDF activity moving towards Rafah and the release of the hostages a few days ago, to what extent all of those events might put further pressure on Hamas to be agreeable to something of a hostage exchange. Just to remind listeners that the release of the hostages is one of the primary objectives of this war, primary objectives of the IDF. If we can stop even for a relatively extended period of time, the latest suggestion has been a potential six week temporary ceasefire, even if we are forced to stop for six weeks, the most Israelis would say, if that means we can gain back some or many or most or hopefully all of our hostages in Gaza, including the bodies of those who no longer survive, then that temporary ceasefire would definitely be worthwhile. However, nobody in Israel at this stage, almost nobody, I wouldn't say nobody because there are people who do support a ceasefire, but almost nobody, I would say the majority of Israelis right now, believe that this is not the right time to stop the war on a permanent basis, that there is still work to be done, and that would be a great shame if we left the infrastructure in Rafah when we've managed to get through most of the rest of the Gaza Strip to destroy the terrorist infrastructure, to leave whatever's in Rafah at the moment, which is not insignificant, um, would be a great shame. And while we're already there and while our forces are deployed, and while the country is set up for this war situation, now would be the right and the most appropriate time to finish the job or not to stop now. A plan has been put together by Israel in, involving 25 encampments around the Gaza Strip, each encampment, as I understand, having 25,000 tents to house civilians for people to move away from Rafah so that the IDF can finish their job. Mm. Of course, that remains to be seen, whether that will be some sort of an accepted uh, position. And of course, whether we can move forward to a hostage exchange uh, situation, we're all hoping that our hostages will Absolutely. come home very, very soon. Anthony Rock, thank you. As always, you can catch Anthony tomorrow morning for the full Israel report at 7.45. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Oh,